Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are listening to this. This is Daniel Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine. And I was planning to record something like this over the last three months, but it was going to be in a different subject. It was just going to be on either CM Punk's <laughs> returning to WWE, which is still an insane concept even three months later once you think about it the insanity that's been within the last week before today whether it was the news of Sichiko Okada maybe coming to WWE WWE selling the rights to wrong to Netflix in a deal that looks that is very very seismic or joining The Rock Johnson joining the board of TKO <laughs> I was planning to talk about that something something in those areas within the last three months and obviously with the punk things I, I was away I was in cruise and the holiday season came up obviously things it was I didn't have time to record then and obviously, yes, the, the, within this week, all the news came out in WWE, but I couldn't avoid today. I could not avoid today. With the Hiroshima level bomb that got dropped on WWE today. Because just reading the summary of it is horrifying enough. But in case in case anybody has been living under a rock within um, today, which would be January 25th, 2024 on the Thursday, unless you have been living under a rock today, you... Probably looking at this today and just looking at a situation that is just absolutely horrifying. And for those that have been living under a rock, let me explain. Today, the Wall Street Journal published an article detailing a lawsuit that goes into great detail involving Vince McMahon and the litany of the non-disclosure agreements and the level of the priority that one of the people that has signed those non-disclosure agreements went through. Now, looking back in time, this looks to be more than likely the last the person that was actually involved during the first time, in the first game of 2022, when the reports to the non-disclosure agreements came by and which initially forced Vince to quote-unquote retire from WWE in, G- in July 2022. And... 
just opens up a lot. A lot of avenues that you have to look this into because it is, like I said, it is merely really, really, really horrifying. Now, what I'm actually going to do, luckily, because I did download it to my phone. First of all, shout out to Razzlenomics for getting these details. But I have the lawsuit here in hand now. The person, the plaintiff in this, her name is Janelle Grant. That name's going to come up in a little bit. And the lawsuit is against WWE, Vince McMahon, and John Laurinaitis. This is why I say this is likely the quote-unquote paralegal that uh, caused the first storm when made Vince quote-unquote retire. But I'll read the complaint and I'll read the introduction because it's, it's a lot. I'm part of the complaint. Plaintiff Janelle Grant, by and through undersigned counsel, hereby files his complaint against defendant World Wrestling Entertainment, aka World Wrestling Entertainment, LLC. WWE or company, that's the way they'll mention it, opposite lawsuit from here and in. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, McMahon and John Laurinaitis. Alleging as follows. Plaintiff Janelle Grant, a former employee of WWE who was the victim of physical and emotional abuse and assault and trafficking at WWE. Ms. Grant has found this lawsuit not just to address her own suffering, but also for those who are afraid to speak out. WWE's billionaire founder and executive chairman, defendant Vincent Kennedy McMahon, lived in a penthouse duplex in Miss Grant's apartment building. Now, Vince does have an apartment either in New York City or it's in Greenwich, Connecticut. I don't know exactly where it is. Well, it's probably Connecticut because this this lawsuit was filed in the first in the first district or the district of Connecticut. And going back to the complaint, the two met in March 2019 when Miss Grant was dealing with profound grief and struggling financially after devoting years of around-the-clock caregiving. Her parents passed away. Keep that in mind. On top of that, she was unemployed and her family home was lost in her parents' bankruptcy. After her family passed away, Miss Grant dedicated herself to finding gainful employment. Neighbors in the building provided career advice and sought her assistance with personal events. Mrs. Grant used these non-paying roles and volunteer work community initiatives to build her name. The building's resident manager wanted to help. See, message man, so the property manager of the apartment is the one that told Vince 
about this about Miss Grant. <clears throat> she messaged McMahon to ask whether he would talk to her, sharing that Miss Grant had been been through hardship and would do great things if given a fresh start. McMahon enthusiastically responded, "Hell yes." The man befriended Miss Grant, giving her hopes of a new life with promises of a year to be yet to be determined role at WWE. And shower her with attention and assurances, along with gifts like a VIP experience at WrestleMania. But what seemed like a dream in the spring of 2019 quickly became a nightmare. As as McMahon dangled career-making and life-changing promises in front of Miss Grant, he demonstrated his increasing lack of boundaries. During several meetings that were obscenely about a potential job in WWE, he greeted her in his underwear, touched her, repeatedly asked for hugs, and spent hours sharing intimate details about his personal life. McMahon warned this man to keep her closeness, to keep sorry, their closeness secret, lest rumors lead to public trouble. And not at that, while he protects loyal people, that's it, I'll touch into that later on. He had the world-class legal resources on speed dial to deal with people who became a problem. <coughs> As such, when McMahon pushed Miss Grant for a physical relationship in return for long-promised employment at WWE, she felt trapped in an impossible situation. Submitting to McMahon's sexual demands or facing ruin. Miss Grant feared that she had everything to lose and face negative consequences no matter what happened. I'm only on page three, folks. <laughs> this is 67 pages. I'm not going to read all 67 pages, mind you, because some of the details that you read about this, like I said, they're absolutely horrifying. But I'm going to read as much as I can before I start getting angry. After succumbing to the pressure for a physical relationship, Miss Grant was slotted into an entry-level position as an administrative coordinator, a position McMahon created for her to be in WWE's legal department. Like I said, this is what <coughs> Tim this is, Oh, this is the paralegal that started the story in 2022. Miss Grant began to work in that role on June 17, 2019. Miss <clears throat> Grant remained in that role with a temp exception of a temporary relocation to XFL. Obviously, the Extreme Football League, which is now owned by The Rock. And it's now merged with USFL to form the UFL. And McMahon verbally directed her to transfer uh, sorry, until McMahon verbally directed her to transfer to the talent relations department reporting to defendant John Laurinaitis on March 9th, 2021. During a conversation the same day, McMahon explained that her presence in the legal department was effectively delaying efforts to hire a new general counsel for the company. So the fact that he had her in a made-up position 
according to this lawsuit, was preventing WWE from hiring a new general counsel because you have to remember Jerry McDivitt, who not only is Vince McMahon's personal lawyer in many ways, also represented WWE in lawsuits. And for the last couple of years, he has been indicating that he wanted to retire. So this was part of the looks, and apparently this was a hiccup. I wonder why. McMahon and Laurinaitis informed Ms. Grant that she would be promoted to Vice President of Operations of the Talent Relations Department, providing her with an organizational chart reflecting this decision. Shortly thereafter, they informed her that they needed her to begin at a lower level as a director, but promised to promote to Vice President in a 12th, after a 12-month period. Despite Ms. Grant's expression of unhappiness in attempts to end the sexual relationship, and while she came to understand that McMahon expected the physical relationship to continue part of her employment, she had no idea how sordid it would become, nor how the psychological torture of physical violence would leave her feeling helpless, isolated, and trapped. In March 2020, McMahon began sharing sexually explicit photographs and videos of Miss Grant, including pornographic content he recorded with other men both inside and outside the company, including with members of the television production tech team executives, i.e. Kevin Dunn. Producers, and a world-famous athlete and former UFC heavyweight champion with whom WWE was actively trying to sign to a new contract and ultimately did sign that contract. This was the other major bombshell that this that this news came out of. And if you don't know what that is, it's mainly that given the timetable, a former UFC heavyweight champion that WWE was trying to sign at that time, I know some people try to say it was King Velasquez. But Cain Velasquez was already with the company around that time. So that left only one other person. Obviously, that's Brock Lesnar. And that's the other major bombshell that dropped into this, is the fact that now Brock Lesnar is implicated in this. omnipotent position at WWE. For kids who don't know, omnipotence is kind of like, it's basically a godlike position. And he kind of was in many ways, McMahon, at, at, during that time. Coercion was inherent in his increasingly depraved sexual demands. Specifically, while McMahon was CEO of WWE, Miss Grant was employed as an entry-level coordinator in the department, McMahon recruited individuals to have sexual relations with Ms. Grant and or with the two of them, directed Ms. Grant to visit defendant Laurinaitis prior to the start of workday for sexual encounters, and expected and directed Ms. Grant to engage in sexual activity at the WWE headquarters, even towards 
At the time, McMahon ordered Miss Grant to keep the relationship secret, unless otherwise instructed, including lying to maintain whatever stories he fabricated. (coughs) Yeah, I'm starting to get angry. McMahon's assurances that Miss Grant was safe and independent rang hollow in light of his efforts to isolate her from friends and attempt to chip away at her identity until it was replaced with his desired role for her as his quote-unquote bitch, his quote-unquote fantasy, and or his quote-unquote porn star. (coughs) Occasionally intermixing softer descriptors like quote-unquote girlfriend, quote-unquote baby, even quote-unquote love, when convenient. He exercised complete ownership and control over both her personal and professional lives. <coughs> Mind you, I'm still only on page four. McMahon also subjected Miss Grant to act in extreme, to acts of extreme cruelty and degradation that caused Miss Grant to disassociate and/or become numb to reality in order to survive the horrific encounters. As one example of Ms. McMahon's extreme depravity, on May 20th, 2020, he defecated on Ms. Grant during the threesome and then commanded her to continue pleasuring his quote-unquote friend with feces in her hair and running down her back while McMahon went to the bathroom to shower off. Yeah. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. (sighs) Upon his return to the bathroom, McMahon and his quote-unquote friend actively resumed the booster, which lasted over an hour and a half, while Miss Grant remained covered in McMahon's filth. When McMahon's friend left, McMahon ordered her to stay and continue to sexually gratify him. In June 2021, McMahon and the Laurinaitis sexually assaulted Miss Grant inside Laurinaitis' office in WWE headquarters while colleagues were busy at their desks. Behind the locked door, the two men cornered her and pulled her between them, forcibly touched her before ultimately putting her on top of a table between them. She begged them to stop but then force themselves on her, each taking turns restraining her for the other while yelling, saying, no means yes, and take it, bitch. Oh, man. Oh, God, no. Okay. This is probably going to be the last page I read before I start going off. <coughs> Unsurprisingly, <coughs> Anderson WWE knew what was going on, but instead of intervening, to protect Miss Grant, WWE actively sought to conceal the wrongdoing. In January 2022, McMahon told Miss Grant that his wife found out about their relationship. Purportedly to avoid a divorce, negative publicity, and other repercussions, McMahon said that Miss Grant's time at WWE was at an end, and that he wanted her to sign an NDA 
to ensure her silence, and among other things, his personal misconduct. In the days ahead, McMahon put Miss Grant under immense pressure to sign, saying that refusing would only jeopardize McMahon, his family, and the company. But as she surely became a public headline, suffer reputable ruin, including for pornographic content McMahon had captured, aka now he's using that as revenge porn, and face McMahon's legal resources. Terry McDivitt. Conversely, McMahon reassured her that her signature would ensure his continued support and protection and safeguard her reputation. Ultimately, Ms. Grant succumbed to the pressure and signed the NDA in exchange for payments, which McMahon later stopped making. Keep that in mind. Okay, this is going to be less page to read. This, this has to be less page to read now. Even after pushing Miss Grant out of the company and muzzled her in NDA, McMahon continued efforts to exploit her, including attempts to traffic her to a WWE star who would be in New York City for a live event TV taping on March 2022. Understandably, defendant's predatory conduct has left Miss Grant crippled both physically and mentally including from debilitating symptoms for post-traumatic stress disorder and suicide ideation. These symptoms led to her termination from her subsequent job, running her building's operations, or not an inability to leave her home for weeks at a time. Despite McMahon's promise of reputable protection, WWE appears to have leaked information that led to the public disclosure of her name to a media blogger who cited a source in... Hashtag WWE with direct knowledge of the situation, which upon informing of belief was as an overt intimidation tactic aimed at Miss Grant. Now, this came up because the person that they're talking about is Brad Shepard. He was a guy that ran and wrote, I think, for places like Ringside News, which is now a complete dumpster fire. And Brad Shepard had... He aligns himself with people like Billy Body. That's pretty... If you know who Billy Body is and you know some of the shit that he's done, then you kind of know then the type of scum that Brad Shepard runs with. And people, they pull out a tweet that showed that he specifically named her in the tweet. So now, like I said, I'm not surprised that they would have went to him and there's going to be some questions that would come up as far as when it comes into it, how that got revealed. Okay, let me, let me just finish this last page. WWE has also attempted to sweep the matter under the rug. Following media reports that McMahon involved in a hush money payment scandal, WWE released a statement on June 22 to announce the special counsel and its board of directors was investigated the alleged misconduct and appointed Stephanie McMahon as interim CEO and interim chairwoman. In this capacity, Ms. McMahon 
publicly affirmed her commitment to doing everything in her power to help the special counsel complete its work and to implement its findings. She has declared the importance of a safe and collaborative workplace. Notwithstanding this public statement, the investigation was a sham. In November 2022, Dory retired the conclusion of a special committee investigation of misconduct, yet the special committee never once bothered to interview Ms. Grant or request documents despite Ms. Grant stating that she would cooperate. And then it gets in, like so folks, it gets into the parties involved. And then it gets into situations among personnel. The reason, typical paperwork where like the jurisdiction as to why there's doing this. And just going over other details that fall into it because part of this, unfortunately, is, and this is out of Twitter. Describing a lot of how depraved this is, the messages, the text messages apparently that Vince sent, and like the, some of the details are—they're just gonna—they're just blatantly horrifying. Uh, I'm gonna go on Twitter to give some details, and I'm gonna discuss the shit. Like for, and this is going to be from various people to cover WWE. Like one David Blake's expand. He said the allegations are not simply Vince McMahon horribly abused this woman. They're not simply that John Laurinaitis joined in. Is that this was sex trafficking and a distressing number of people in the company had some idea that this was of what was up and were outright complicit. And like I said, I'm trying to find news when it comes into details. And read this. The scope of the lawsuit goes beyond Mr. McMahon. There's a search warrant Yes, last year the feds did issue a search warrant on Vince in the summertime and we don't know what the details in that area falls in. And I'm not going to first Vince put out a statement. I'm not going to read it because it's plain bullshit at this point. And like I said, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm trying to find sort that I'm not going to be that explicit. And then go into how this affects everything. Because people have uh, 
see, because I'm trying to find it, folks. I'm so sorry. Because since I recorded this, I said I have to <clears throat> talk about the property. Now, the one story that I know, like, at top, like, the top of my head without many details is the how it implicated Brock Lesnar. Because according to this lawsuit, Vince instructed Miss Grant to take sexually explicit pictures and send it to Brock Lesnar. And apparently this was enough to entice a meeting with Brock Lesnar. A meeting that they had because according to the lawsuit a snowstorm prevented his travels. There's that. And then apparently there was a setup for a second meeting that didn't happen. And then I'm just some of these details. Like from that when I mentioned Defkin, it's just that. But look. I'm not going to look for the story because this thing itself, I just wrote for a little bit. Looking at it, and like I said, as the more we into it, the more angry I get. And that's not the time or place to do that right now to cuss up a storm, even though I really, really want to regarding this. Because the level of evil that the lawsuit describes of how Vince was controlling this act is, first of all, he targeted a woman who was unemployed and just lost her parents. Unemployed, you just lost your parents. You're no, you're a vulnerable person. And here comes somebody come by swooping in, promising to take care of you, promising that they will guide you throughout the world, and then twist it to be used as in this area. Now to put it bluntly, this is Jeffrey Epstein. Harvey Weinstein levels of shit of the priority that is described. And <clears throat> I think, yeah, John Ross Sapp of Pfeiffer described it. The more you read on the Vince McMahon lawsuit, the worse it gets. And it is. The worse it gets. That's why I had to stop reading because if I didn't stop reading... It was going to be bad. And ultimately, this is the this is the situation right now as it stands when you look at it. TKO did put out a statement. <clears throat> and 
the gist of it, what it said was, Vince McMahon doesn't run TKO. He doesn't run day-to-day operations in WWE. This was before TKO was even produced, but we're taking this seriously. They're handling internally. What they likely mean is they are finding the right figure that's discounted to buy out all the remaining TKO stock that Vince has. Because when this, when the merger came out, when news of the merger came out, I personally said that he will, in 20, let's say April 2023, I personally said, and you're watching the recording, like if you look at the previous podcast, when I said the breaking news regarding the deal in April 2023, remember, night two of WrestleMania, I said that more than likely Vince would not survive the year, that they were going to find a way to shit can him. Well, it's not exactly a year. Not exactly in the year. It's already 2024. But, yeah. This is it. This is exactly what they prob- TKO probably wanted to have. Because, I'm going to be blunt, folks. I don't think TKO is surprised by this. But they probably knew this was coming. Because not so much TKO as a company, but the parties involved in TKO have been involved in situations similar to this. Now it's such a private, but situations where shady things have happened involving business transactions. And I'll briefly go into it, <coughs> to what I mean by experience. I lean towards... Uh, to the UFC side of TKO, particularly Dana White. Because he was he was involved in the purchase of Pride FC from Dream Stage Entertainment. If case you said if you don't know anything about MMA, Pride FC was an MMA promotion out of Japan. That at one point pretty much was the top MMA promotion in the world. Even bigger than the UFC. Had a better load of talent. In fact, I probably recommend if you were going to watch a video you, when it comes to Pride, I would recommend watching the video The Rise and Fall of Pride FC by a YouTuber named Napoleon Blown Apart. He doesn't have any social media. He said he openly says he doesn't have any social media, but he did a really, really good job. And towards the end, he did discuss how complicated, uh, in many ways, UFC's purchase of Pride became. Because as UFC's lawyers were starting to do due diligence into the people that were Pride, they found that Pride was involved with a lot of shell companies who themselves were part of other shell companies in order to hide money and operations by the Yakuza, Japanese Mafia. And the main, and the reason why this is important is because this is a similar nature. They knew that in terms of buying Pride, that Pride was used in many ways, yeah, as an operation to fund money by the Yakuza. And 
they were willing to keep it running. Dana White did actually want to keep Pride running. But, <clears throat> much like how I said, like, this lady, this was the first report. This is the lady probably from the first report <clears throat> in 2022 that led to McMahon retiring in 2022 for six months. The Megs, and when it came to the Pride situation, a lot of what came out of that ultimately Doom Pride was because articles were running by Japanese Mexican Yuko Gendai detailing the Yakuza connections that Pride had and the parent company Juicech Entertainment had. And even <coughs> and when they do doing the due diligence, KK Gendai told the UFC, told the NOA flat out right, if you keep if you keep Pride active, it doesn't matter if it's owned by you, we will continue to run these stories. Now, this was around like 20, 2007, 2008. UFC was not in the position that it is today. Nowhere near the position that it is today. And because it wasn't in that position, they could very ill afford that if they kept Pride running, even though from a business standpoint, it would have been a smart play to keep Pride going. And if you think about it in one area, it would not have been worth it if this magazine was still going to publish articles detailing Yakuza ties. They couldn't afford it from a legal standpoint. And that's what I, that's one of the things that ultimately led to the death of Pride. This is a similar situation. Endeavor, the group remember, Endeavor, group run by Mar Ari Emanuel, they had to do the due diligence to look into this. And like I said, they they probably knew that this was lurking already deep, deep within the, the details of it. They had to have known. In many ways, yes, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, her husband, Paul Levesque, they likely knew. Well, they knew probably from personal reasons. And a lot of the board at the time of WWE likely knew. Probably not to the gruesome details that we're looking at it, the depraved details, but they like the new. And I know there's some people that are clowning on Stephanie that, oh, she's the one that led the thank you Vince chance. Part of me this part of me dismisses that because in many ways, yeah, it, it's a father trying to defend her father even when she probably knew that her father was wrong kid children do that a lot of times when it comes to parents even at this stage and at the age that they do they still do it because that does a parents it happens however They've also tried to protect Vince by taking him out of WWE. They probably knew that this was coming 
one way or another, one shoe was going to drop. And they did their best. Her, Triple H, and Nikon, they did their best. A lot of the board also did their best to just say, we need to protect WWE, and the best way to protect WWE is for you, Vince McMahon, to go away. And they were successful for a few months. And then Vince, in his egomaniacal ways, seeing that people were not clamoring for him to return, rather they were actually happy that he was gone, forced himself on the WWE board, even when that board unanimously told him to fuck off. He forced himself into it. He held the company hostage to retake power and ultimately led to the sale of Endeavor. Like, I already went to details in those areas at the time in other podcasts. But... They tried to protect the company by taking out Vince. And Vince just would not let them do it. That's the area where I would say they would have to they would have some responsibility in that area, but it's not something like, oh, they're covering up everything because they engaged in this as well now. With Stephanie's a very touchy subject because unfortunately you have to think about how Stephanie was portrayed as a on-screen character in the early 2000s. Looking back on it, yeah, she was heavily, heavily sexualized. And considering, they said, the depravity that this lawsuit predicts and also the friends that Vince McMahon kept. Let's keep in mind that he was also friends with Donald Trump, who himself has made various public comments regarding his daughter, Ivanka. And Stephanie did reach a point where she said enough. Like, it, it, apparently it reached a point where she wanted nothing to do with Vince, both on a professional and a personal level, and this stage of her life. <laughs> and I don't blame her one bit. And in all honesty, this is, like I said, this is not a situation that you can, that there is a quick PR fix for it. Because of the things I described. Because... Endeavor had to have known that this was that this was in the air. A lot of the board had to know that this was in the air. And a lot of what it describes is a systemic issue. Let alone the fact that more than likely, like I said, even though the suit does not say that physical meeting took place. As far as like when it comes to attractions, like for example, Brock Lesnar, you can't bring Brock Lesnar back. You absolutely can't bring Brock Lesnar back. 
under any circumstance. And when it comes to Brock on a personal level, you have to think of the fact that, yeah, looking, he is still married to Sable. Around the around that timetable where this might have happened, and the fact they said that this was used as a bargaining chip to get him to resign with WWE, yeah, I probably would expect news of Brock Lesnar now being involved in the divorce probably coming up within like fairly soon. That's just on one aspect of it. Like, like I mentioned, that the way this suit describes it, this is a systemic issue within WWE. And one of the things that TKO can do now, the, the, well, one of the things that TKO must do now is, like I mentioned, they're probably finding a way to buy out all his remaining stock at a discounted rate. But the main thing that they can do right now is relieve him of any duties as executive chairman effective immediately. And while doing that, also making sure to find a way to just permanently erase him from the board. They likely were going to be able to do that. And now you have, if you're TKO, now you have the real genuine opportunity and the mandate, really, to clean house at WWE of any remaining of the old guard, people that are Vince McMahon guys that you could figure were probably mainly involved in this this area. They already got rid of one. They got rid of Kevin Dunn. Remember, folks, when I was reading lawsuits, one of the people that mentioned was the executive in the the production truck. That's Kevin Dunn. And they already took him out. (laughs) So... And like I said, the large Harry McDivitt, he is retiring. He will probably wants nothing to do with this. The main person that I can think of right off the top of my head that is probably still a Vince guy that I don't think he left yet is Bruce Pritchard. He's probably likely gone now. And not to mention any other old employees they were there for a long time that were not prominent, but you can consider to be Vince guys and who may have been involved in this depravity. TKO now has the opportunity to wipe that slate clean, put in their own people, and lead WWE in.
one way to actually really, really look into this is how you deal with this afterwards, after you take outfits. Because one suggestion was to remove him entirely, scrub him off the books, do what WWE did when the Chris Benoit situation happened, where they haven't uttered his name, they've done as much as possible to limit any <laughs> mention of him in old footage or in old countdowns and such. But the history is still there because they own the archives of WCW and ECW. They have the archives of him still. You can't fully erase it. You can stop talking about him in, in this present tense, and they have pretty much effectively. But you can't completely erase him from it. And that's and that's times a thousand right now with Vince McMahon. You cannot in an honest sense, really talk about WWE as a company and how it became this conglomerate that it is today, even if it's a subsidiary of a different, of another company now, but it's still a gigantic conglomerate. You cannot talk about WWE going from the Northeastern Territory to pretty much what anybody would think outside of Mexico, outside of Japan, because those two have those two countries have their own unique and distinct wrest pro wrestling cultures. But everywhere else around the world, you cannot talk about how WWE went from that just north, northeastern U.S. to the company that most of the rest of the world thinks about when you mention pro wrestling. You cannot talk about that without having to talk about Vince McMahon and how he helped mold WWE into this conglomerate. But you can do that similar part when it comes to McMahon. You can... Make sure that you don't have to mention him ever again in the present tense. And that's more than likely what they're going to be have to do. Because any other suggestions of honoring him, they're, they're effectively over. Because I know people want, I know there's people that have wanted to say like, oh, let's, they have to put Vince in the Hall of Fame. That'll be a big thank you, but you can't do that now. You absolutely cannot do that now. Now, granted, Vince has said that he never wanted to be in the Hall of Fame because he, quote-unquote, didn't want attention. But, yeah, this stage, yeah, you can't do it. You just absolutely can't. And... You have to look at a lot of people in a very, very different light now. The two executives that Vince brought in to be members of the board when he retook power, particularly one, George Barrios, 
you definitely have to keep an eye on him. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the people that not only knew but participated in this bullshit. And a bit of fitting punishment, because <laughs> that's actually happening in one way that he was one of the big proponents of the WWE Network. And because of this Netflix deal, WWE Network will cease to be will cease to be a thing internationally in 2025. So that's a bit of karma there. And the other reason that they have to now TKO has to handle this quickly is you can't because of the other news that came up with the Netflix. If another shoe drops and something even worse comes light on light when it comes into this, there's a good chance that Netflix can just walk out of this deal when it comes to Raw and because international rights. And at that point, if Vince is still on the TKO board and there are other people that are implicated still there, then WWE starts becoming a toxic brand. Again. In many aspects. A much more toxic brand. And you go from having a company that's that's setting attendance records, making boatloads of money to something now that you have to bandage and now you don't know what to risk. That's why they ha- TKO has to move quickly now. Vince man has to go. By hook or by crook. He has to go. There's no avoiding it anymore. And people have learned the hard way. Like I mentioned, I mentioned Harvey Weinstein. I mentioned Jeffrey Epstein in this. People that were involved in heinous behavior enough where they probably have their own personal circle of hell Vince is probably going to have his own personal circle of hell the way this shit looks and eventually all of their mess came up to the light And we saw it with Harvey Weinstein, where he now is in jail. We saw it with Epstein, where he was either committed suicide or killed in jail. (laughs) But each one had to pay the piper at some point. Now Vince, it looks like Vince has to do it in many ways. And you go back to what he tried to do when this when this started to fester in 2022. Vince legitimately tried to come out to the world in on the show of defiance because he thought it was bulletproof. Because over the last 40 years, he has been in many ways. But karma catches up with everybody. And you are seeing that. 
you are seeing that now when it comes when this comes out and it has to be dealt with because one thing I did not mention and this is probably the way to close this is the way to close it into it the way this lawsuit's written actually two things two things that come up with this the first one the way this lawsuit's written it's written in a way that can possibly allow all the other NDAs that Vince signed to be nullified. That's one point. And then the second one. And this is probably like said, the most the, the cynical part of me that comes out. And up deep side because the fact of the matter is what's bringing down Vince McMahon in narcissistic poverty is not to the level of extremes that he went to, to, to we have to say allegedly allegedly sexually abuse women and treat them like garbage and just being an overall depraved piece of shit that isn't what looks to be bring him down it's the fact that he was being cheap it's the fact that he didn't even pay the full NDA to this lady which in like I said in many ways breaks that NDA because he didn't fulfill his terms and I said it and I said it on Twitter too we have to remember Al Capone He didn't go to prison for the murders, for all the murders that he caused during Prohibition. He went out on tax evasion. That's what brought him down. And it looks like this is going to bring down Vince McMahon. And hopefully, listening folks, I said, keep an eye on this. I'm going to get to talking about the insanity of Punk being back in WWE. I am going to talk, go into the Netflix deal and The Rock coming into the board, which obviously looks like it's very, very convenient now that he's part of this board. I'll talk about that in another time. But it, it'll be either tomorrow or before the Rumble. But hopefully everybody's staying safe out there. It is winter. And Jesus Christ. If you have been sexually abused. Or if you have been suffering sexual abuse. Please speak out. Please. Let the world know. And so that you. Or anybody else that has suffered. This type of indignity. Get the justice. That they need. Have a good night.